Support for today's Heat Treat Radio episode is provided by Heat Treat Today's 40 Under 40. Learn more about this annual award at www.heattreattoday.com slash 40 under 40 promo. Welcome to Heat Treat Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Funk, editor of Heat Treat Radio. Today, Mark Hemsath, vice president of Super IQ and night training at Seco Vacuum Technologies, talks about Heat Treat Hardness with Doug Glenn, publisher of Heat Treat Today. This is the first of a three-part series with this nitriting subject matter expert on Hardness 101. Today, Hemsath will focus on what it is, why it matters, and how it can be applied to different metals, especially steel. Now, let's jump into today's episode. First off, Mark, I want to welcome you to Heat Treat Radio. Welcome. Thank you, Doug. Nice to be with you today, and thanks for having me on to talk about uh, this interesting subject. Uh, I'm not quite sure I'm an expert on it, but we certainly will try to talk about it. <laughs> I'm sure you know more than most of us. That's why you're here. So first off, you you are, as I mentioned, you're the VP of Super IQ, which is IQ being uh, integral quench, not necessarily intelligence quotient, although you are a smart guy. You're a VP of Super IQ and nitriding for Seco Vacuum. And I might mention both of those, those are product names and both of those are processes and both of those are dealing with hardening. So tell us just very briefly, Mark, if you don't mind, give us a little bit of your background and then we'll jump into the topic of, uh, of hardness when it comes to metals. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, my, my background is uh, I'm not a metallurgist. Uh, I did take metallurgy at, at college uh, and I've been living it most of my life. But I didn't train uh, to be a metallurgist. Uh, instead, I got involved in the furnace business. And in, in being involved with furnaces, you have to do something with those furnaces. And typically, those furnaces uh, uh, allow you to do different things, allow you to do things like soften uh, metals, also allows you to do things like harden metals. Uh, so my background is that, uh, you know, for many years, uh, I, I worked with my father helping to design furnaces for the industry. And uh, we, uh, we developed different furnaces, some for annealing, some for tempering, uh, some vacuum processes, uh, you name it. Uh, joined uh, Seco Warwick a number of years ago. And uh, I, I, uh, I spent uh, quite a bit of my early days in uh, ion nitriding. And uh, Seco Warwick was involved with gas nitriding, and that uh, was of extreme interest to me. So I took a took a liking to that and decided to become a subject expert on uh, nitriding. And uh, now uh, I've been asked to also uh, get involved with our carburizing uh, product, uh, which we're breaking into the market. We call it the Super IQ, and that is a uh, obviously carburizing is a surface hardening uh, process. Uh, not to mention we also do through hardening in those furnaces. And we can go into some of those details uh, a little bit more here today. Right, right. That sounds good. All right. So let's jump right in. It, when, when, For the people who might not know, when we talk about hardness, we're talking about the hardness of a metal. I mean, most people would think all metal is hard. I mean, that's one of the characteristics of, of metals. If you wouldn't mind, just give us the, the hardness 101 class and, and what is it and why is it important when you talk about hardness for metals? Well, I think the most important thing is that with, with, with metals, you're trying to get certain features that uh, allow it not to wear over time. At the same time, 
you want the part to last. Uh, you don't want it to break. You don't want it to chip. Uh, you don't want it to seize up. Uh, so there's a lot of different things you can do with the parts to to give them certain wear uh, characteristics. And, and hardness is an important part of, of wear of wear characteristics. There, there are other things, uh, you know, anti anti friction, etc., that you can do with surface uh, finishes, such as with uh, with nitriding, uh, which are, offer uh, hardness to the part, but in a little bit different way than you might uh, think, just on basic uh, hardenability. But whatever we're talking about, we're trying to prevent parts uh, from wearing, uh, and that's typically why you try to harden the parts. Okay, great. How do we measure hardness, or what what's the what's the units that we typically measure? Well, you have different you have different scales out there depending upon what you're trying to measure. If you're just trying to measure the surface, you might go with a file hardness, uh, or you might go with a uh, a test where you don't have such a, a heavy uh, hardness on there. They have different Brunel hardnesses. Uh, you have got the HRC, the HR. Be uh, different scales out there. You've got the Vickers hardness, all different types of uh, equipment designed to very accurately uh, measure the hardness of a part and also to try to figure out how that hardness is changing throughout the material. Uh, typically in most materials uh, and, and in the processes that you're doing, uh, because you have some thickness of material and a lot of it's related to uh, uh, both the uh, uh, the quench rates, et cetera, you're going to get a hardness that varies uh, throughout the part. So they've come up with different uh, ways of measuring that. And there are a number of different uh, scales out there. And right. uh, you could look that up and uh, and decide. Some people like to use one over uh, the other, but uh, typically they're all designed to do the same thing, trying to get an accurate reading of what the hardness is. Right. So, I mean, I, I, I've heard the more common ones, I think you've mentioned them, Rockwell, is a hardness measurement. Vickers is a hardness measurement. Brunel is a hardness measurement. Yeah. So those are the those are the scales that are used. We and we're not going to go at least on this episode. We're not going to get into how those tests are done and things of that sort. But we certainly could at some point in time. No, so, I'm not an expert on doing the tests. I've seen them done many times, uh, but uh, there are guys that are really good at that. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's the same, actually, same with microstructures, right? Yeah. Uh, looking at that and understanding how things change uh, within the steel. Uh, and and seeing it uh, under different magnic magnification uh, gives the uh, the scientists some really good knowledge of what's going on there within right, the steel. Exactly. exactly. So you did mention some things though that I I would like to ask you about. Again, one, hardness 101. We we often hear a person often hears when dealing with metals and hardness about surface hardness or through hardness. Can you just tell us about those things? What's the difference? Why is that important? Well, a, a part uh, that you make, you want to have, as in a lot of instances, you want it to be as hard as possible for wear characteristics, but at the same time, you don't want the part to fail uh, because of the core properties are too hard and, and can be brittle. So typically what you have is uh, people trying to impart certain types of uh, features onto the surface and still retain uh, the so-called core properties of, of that material. And, and by changing it, obviously you heat it up to austenitic temperatures and you quench it and you try to transform as much of that steel as possible to, uh, to martensite and then you try to temper it back. Uh, but uh, a number of things that you're doing there are going to change the, 
the properties of, of the steel. And that's why people will use different tempering temperatures to get different core properties. They'll use different surface treatments, uh, whether you're doing uh, carburizing, uh, which will give you a higher surface hardness by driving more carbon into the surface, or if you're doing something like an induction hardening, uh, where you're where you're heating up just the outer part of the steel and then quenching the outer part. Obviously, you can only go so deep because you're quenching it uh, from the outside, but that will give you uh, almost a double type of feature within the material. You're starting out with the core that you, the core properties that you want, a certain hardness, a certain ductility, a certain capability uh, to, to function, uh, let's say a shaft, and then you want to give it some hardness. Uh, and if you have the right steel, uh, you can harden that just by taking it up to temperature with, with induction heating or with uh, flame heating, and then right. quickly quenching it uh, right. to get the properties that you want on that, on that powder. Right. Right, so. right. So there, so there are some terms in there that I want to just throw out, make sure, make sure our listeners understand, or some properties, let's say, that we understand. So you've got the idea, you mentioned the idea of hardness and ductility. Those two things tend to be on op, tend to be on opposite ends, and I know there are much more technical descriptions of this. But if the the, the harder something is, the more brittle it tends to be, and when it's brittle, it doesn't take it doesn't take much. It takes less, let's say, to crack it to to break it, right? Whereas if it's ductile, it's softer. It can take more of an impact without breaking. So that's why, for example, let's just use a gear, right? Which you got, you've done on yep. the gear, on the gear teeth, on the outer edge of the gear. You want that to be very hard, so there's good wear, but you don't want it to crack. So you keep the inside of that gear away from the surface of the gear. You keep that soft. Yes. Yes. And and there's a lot that goes into gear design because you don't want uh, high impacts. Obviously, you want the teeth to mesh together. But at the same time, you know, you could there, there are people that induction harden gear teeth. There are people that carburize gear teeth and there are people that nitride gear yeah. teeth. You know, they're yeah. all trying to do something on the teeth. And even though you're doing something on the teeth, you still have to also uh, impart certain properties to the to the core part of the gear itself to make sure that nothing nothing breaks or or falls apart on the gear, uh, the main the main uh, uh, core part of the gear itself. Right, right. Okay. Now, so you did also mention the fact that there are some steels that are more easily hardenable, if you will than other steels. Let's, let's talk about that for just a second. I've heard there's high hardenability steels, there's low hardenability steels. What's the difference? Well, in general, I mean, iron is, 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 a, is an element that is pretty common to all steels, right? Uh, now, there's, there's tremendous science that has happened over the last uh, you know, decades on putting different alloying elements into the steels, uh, whether it's chromium, or titanium, or vanadium, or you name all the different, uh, some of them are called micro alloys, and some of them are, are more main alloys, they all provide different types of properties to that alloy steel, which then uh, gives that steel certain characteristics. And there are more steels uh, created today than I could ever mention. You can buy you know huge books on that from ASM, and get all the different uh, properties of the steels. Uh, the point is, the more 
uh, alloying elements that you put in there. For instance, tool steels have quite a few alloying elements in them, and they have a very high hardenability. Uh, they're also more expensive. Okay, so so people are not going to want yeah. to use uh, expensive steels with all those expensive alloying elements uh, for basic uh, automotive transmissions or what have you. It just gets too expensive. Right. So that's the that's the basic difference between uh, high hardenability and low hardenability steels. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. So the other question I've got for well, you. Well, and I, I should also say that carbon makes up a big part of that yes. too. Uh, carbon in the steel, uh, and, and that's obviously why we call it carburizing because it'll it'll put uh, hardness into it. But we also have what we call low carbon steels, medium carbon steels, and and high carbon steels. And then you start throwing in the alloying elements with that, and you get all kinds of variations uh, that you can have. Yes, right. So you've got a high hardenability steel. It's typically a high hardenability steel is or a high carbon steel is going to be much easier, much more easily. Uh, hardened because it's got more carbon in it to start with, and you don't necessarily have to add carbon into it during the heat treating process. So, right, but but when you you know when you heat and quench those parts, they also have different uh, properties as well. Gotcha. When we return, Mark is going to talk more about how different types of metals can be hardened aside from steel. But I have to ask, why aren't there any young people in heat treat? How can we get them to come into the field? Well, turns out there are plenty. In Heat Treat Today's 40 Under 40 Class of 2021, we want to honor 40 rising young leaders in the North American heat treat industry. General managers, in-house heat treat specialists, self-initiating furnace operators. We want to give credit where credit is due. Fill out the five-minute form at www.heattreattoday.com slash 40 under 40 nominate or learn more about the 40 under 40 application process by going to www.heattreattoday.com slash 40 under 40 promo. And that's the number, 40 under 40 promo. The company name or names will appear with each individual. Again, go to www.heattreattoday.com slash 40 under 40 nominate to nominate yourself or someone else. Now, let's return to today's interview as we talk about different heat treat hardening processes, particularly with steels. All right, so is it is it only steels that can be hardened? Well, I'm not an expert on it, but uh, you know, I, there are other types. I mean, obviously, uh, some of your stainless steels, there's martensitic stainless steels. Uh, there are other uh, uh, different age hardening steels, which... Uh, uh, I, I, they're still steels, right? Right, uh, right. There's there's aluminum, which has different properties depending upon uh, what other elements they put in that. Uh, they can do some different uh, type of uh, hardening right. on those. Uh, so there there's a lot of different things. Uh, titanium by itself is a is a fairly hard uh, metal, etc. Yeah. So. Uh, but most of the people that uh, that that we deal with or that we're talking about for what we're doing is going to be people that are using uh, steels to start with. A lot of right. times, fairly in, inexpensive steels. But you know, we also in vacuum furnaces do very high-end steels, such as tool steels. Right. Uh, you know, H13, uh, air hardenable tool steels, etc. Right. Right. Okay. Good. So then, let's jump back to steels. Let's just jump back to steels for a second. What are the typical heat treatment processes 
that enhance hardness, that increase the hardness? Yeah, well, first of all, we have uh, carburizing. And uh, t just as we spoke before, when you have a steel and you impart carbon uh, into that steel, uh, it tends to make it harder. So what carburizing does is it focuses that effort of putting carbon only into the surface, which means that you can have different uh, core properties of that steel versus uh, the outer uh, uh, properties. And then you can drive that carbon fairly deep into the surface if you want to. Now, deep means something like two millimeters, uh, and, and, mm -hmm. and above that are starting to get fairly uh, deep cases. Uh, yeah. Two millimeters is 0.079 uh, inches, okay? okay. Uh, now, you do this by putting the, the, uh, the parts at temperature, at, at, at austenizing temperatures, into an atmosphere which is rich in carbon. Yeah, uh, and let's Mark. So let's yeah. stop right there because I want to just define one. And this is a, again a non-technical definition of austenizing, right. right? To me, when I think of an austenizing temperature, that means even though that part is still solid, with air quotes, right? Still solid. The fact of the matter is that 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 piece of metal is kind of in solution, right? Things are moving around inside pretty yeah you've like, you've changed the structure right and then you're trying to uh, when you quench it you're trying to cool it very quickly so that you can get different structures out of that right, right. that steel okay so go ahead so i didn't mean to interrupt you there yeah. but go ahead <laughs> so uh you know we're, we're talking here uh surface hardening uh right. or surface engineering type uh and there's quite a few actually uh, some of the more common, obviously, are the ones we talked about here. Uh, there, there's, there's basically uh, four very, very common ones, carburizing, nitriding, carbonitriding, and then another one called nitrocarburizing. Mm -hmm. um, and they are different, uh, mm -hmm. although in, in Europe, sometimes they, they, they reverse those names a little bit between carbonitriding and nitrocarburizing. But I'll yeah. explain to you what, 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 what I believe those are. Okay. And why we call them that? Okay, <laughs> so uh, carburizing is just as I uh, as I was saying, uh, driving carbon into the surface of the steel. Sure. It gets a very high hardness in the steel, depending upon what type of steel you have. Typically done with lower carbon steels, so that you can put the carbon into the surface. Right. Uh, so that's that's why we do it because it's a lower carbon steel. Right. Uh, nitriding is a is not an austenitic process. It's a, a low, lower temperature process. Uh, it's, it's called a ferritic process. It's, and, and what that means is you're, you don't go into the, uh, into the uh, uh, you know, phase transformation where you have to go and quench the steel uh, to get those properties. So you're not going to get uh, much in the way of dimensional shift or growth that you would get from the austenizing steel. And that's very beneficial. You can, by driving nitrogen into the surface, you get a very uh, very high hardness. Now, you also need to have things in that surface of the steel other than just iron. You, you, you have different alloying elements which combine very easily with nitrogen, mm -hmm. uh, such as uh, chromium um, and uh, titanium, aluminum, vanadium, some of those other things which will combine uh, with, with the nitrogen, which, which either comes from a, uh, an excited um, uh, uh, nitrogen atom via Ionitriding or comes from uh, uh, the, the dissociation of ammonia for mm -hmm. from gas nitriding, where the nitrogen then uh, transports itself into the steel surface right. Right. Uh, and making those uh, hard 
items. Uh, in carbonitriding, it's typically it's, it's it's identical to carburizing, except you throw some ammonia in there. Uh, typically done at a lower temperature because ammonia breaks down very quickly at high temperature. So you're trying to stay right at the lower edge of that, and you're throwing ammonia uh, in there because the nitrogen will impart a very hard surface along with the carbon. Uh, it, it doesn't go in as deep, but it's usually done as a, uh, a down and dirty, very uh, hard surface on a, on a part, typically a fairly inexpensive part. Right. Uh, Nitrocarburizing is 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 designed to uh, uh, like nitriding, but they're focusing on the white layer on the compound zone, which is a very hard uh, layer of of uh, of iron uh, nitrides and 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 uh, iron uh, uh, nitro nitrogen nitrogen carbides etc. Okay. So you're getting a very hard layer on there, and the 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 but they call it the compound zone because you have both a gamma prime zone, which is, is, is one element, and you have a epsilon zone. And those have very unique properties uh, for the surface of, of the steel. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, that's good. That's good enough. I mean, those are the, those are the main, uh, carb, uh, main hardening processes, right? Carburizing, nitriding, carbonitriding, nitrocarburizing. We'll dig deeper into those in our next episode. So I think for this time, Mark, that's great. Appreciate the uh, appreciate the input and uh, stay tuned, listeners. Stay tuned. We'll we'll cover in more depth next time those processes, perhaps the types of equipment that those uh, processes are done in, uh, just for a little bit more education. And then we're going to do a third episode at some point in time where we'll talk about why we're hearing more about more recently about the, for example, nitriding has become more popular recently. Low pressure carburizing has become more popular. And we'll also talk about single piece flow and um, and maybe uh, something that's near and dear to your heart, Mark, and that's uh, uh, some hybrid systems of a batch integral quench, which which your company happens to call the Super IQ and things of that sort. So we'll, we'll delve more into those. Anything else you want to say before we peel off on this first episode? No, I'm excited to, to talk about the, uh, the next two uh, uh, sessions that we're going to have, and I think it's going to get more interesting from there. So thank All you right. very much. All right, sounds good. We hope you enjoyed today's Heat Treat Radio episode. Be sure to be on the lookout for two more episodes in this Harness 101 series with Mark Hemseth, featured here on www.heattreattoday.com radio. To learn more about today's guest, visit Mark Hemseth's profile on www.secovacusa.com. You can also send an email to me, and I'll put you in touch with Mark. My email is bethany at heattreattoday.com. We're always interested in new Heat Treat radio topics. Send me an email with what you find fascinating so that we can talk about it in a future Heat Treat radio episode. Additionally, if you'd like to be a sponsor of a future episode, let me know and we'll be in touch. Again, my email is bethany at heattreattoday.com. We're excited to give you up-to-date information. And this month, our second of eight print magazines will be sent to subscribers. You can also go to our digital magazine page to always access great content. This is super convenient if you are away from your desk, traveling, or on a lunch break and want to skim through some great technical content on your phone. This March, check out what's new in aerospace at www.petreetoday.com media. 
Again, that's HeatTreatToday.com slash media. Heat Treat Radio would like to thank Heat Treat Today's 40 Under 40 for sponsoring this episode. Fill out the five-minute nomination form at www.heatreattoday.com slash 40 under 40 nominate. This and every other episode of Heat Treat Radio is the sole property of Heat Treat Today and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without advanced written permission from Heat Treat Today. Jonathan Lloyd, audio producer extraordinaire, created and mixed most of the music that you heard today. Check out all of his professional work at www.jonathanlloydmusic.com. Thank you, Jonathan. And I'm your host, Bethany Funk. Thank you for listening.